0: Welcome back to the Best You Nation, where we believe in managing your drive, optimizing 24 hours in a day, and becoming the best version of you. That's right. And now, your global and Instagram influences, and also your host, Finn and Adler. We hope that you enjoy this podcast today. What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Best You Nation. This is your boy, Finn and Adler, and we're super excited to be here with you guys today. We have a exclusive honor man of God, a former coach of UGA, the Bulldogs, as well as the, the Hurricanes for the Miami. Listen, he is a two time SEC champion um, with the Bulldogs and an ACC division title holder, Mark Ricks, Coach Mark Ricks. We welcome you to the show today and we're super proud, super excited just to be. In your presence, um, someone who loves the Lord, loves His children, loves His people, and we're so grateful for you to be with us. So, I can hand over the mic to you. you.
1: Yeah, we well, thank you. Yeah, thank you, Finn and Adler.
0: Yeah, well, uh, I thanks. just appreciate
1: what you guys are doing, what you're trying to do, and spreading the love and uh, making a positive impact in this world. And uh, yeah. if everybody does that, we, we wouldn't we wouldn't have many issues. Would we? Exactly, we do that, Coach
0: well it's absolutely amazing to be you know on this zoom and our podcast we actually call it a podcast it's kind of crazy because we're videoing this versus just audio which we had to add back on um because some of our following uh, kind of was they utilize spotify and spotify has a huge weight of listeners so we had to throw in this, the audio part back but, you know, in this season we've been talking about love and we've been talking about um, being the best version of you. That's just kind of like our mantra. It's what we live by. It's what we really just strive for. And um, I actually felt led to call out and reach out to you about this. And I know, you know, you're a busy guy. And, you know, with, um, with being an ACC analyst, I should have mentioned that too. Um, I know there's so much going on in the world with this pandemic and just social and cultural stuff going on across the nation but I felt led to reach out to you and you know um I was just like you know I wanted to see if coach Rick would love to be on here uh to you know share uh your side of of everything that you've you know been through as a man as a as somebody who's coached on the field coached off the field um so I don't know Adler what do you got man Uh,
2: so you know and kind of like Finn touched on it earlier um, we're dealing with this pandemic and a lot of like just um, social issues that we're we're, we're starting to um, address as a country, and um, unfortunately, like uh, there's a lot of hate that is being spread around in the world, and you know, like I, I, I'm sure you would abru- uh, agree with this. You can't combat hate with more hate. You know, it doesn't work like that. Right. The only thing that can combat it is love and so we're in a season of just um discussing love and discussing like uh the christ-like love um the general love for your 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 the wellness of your your neighbor um and you know oftentimes whenever i hear the phrase i love you i can swap it out immediately with the phrase i care for you so when i say you know i love finn like i love finn he's my brother i care for him like, so that means like Whatever he's interested in, whatever his goals, aspirations, whatever it is, I'm I'm 100% backing him up, and uh, that doesn't mean that I blindly follow it. Like I'll I'll call him out if I need to, but I'm <laughs> I'm gonna push him and I'm gonna you know hope for the best and try to you know make him the best version of himself. So when I use that word, I love you, I can switch it out with I care for you. So like, um, and I'm I'm sure like you know being a, being a coach, being a leader, man you've had to deal with um, these type of situations. So like, um, I guess like my question is like, how do you, um, I guess, how do you show that type of love? Because there's obviously different. Right.
1: Well, first of all, it's interesting you're talking about that because uh, the last little tweet I had uh, was a quote from one of my brothers in Christ that uh, we've had a prayer group Uh, that have met together for the last 20 years, praying for each other, our families, our community. They're in Athens, Georgia, a very diverse group of men. And uh, Judge Steve Steve Jones, uh, who is a circuit court judge, African-American, he said he loves us all. He He says, I love you. No, he said we love each other because we took time to get to know each other. Yeah. And that was very telling, you know, I I mean, we, we were on the prayer group for about an hour, but that's the one thing. I, when I hung up the thing, I'm like, you know what? That needs to be said again. And I think people uh, do tend to, once they get to know each other and see that they're an awful lot more alike than they are apart, uh, yeah. then they can have a genuine love or a caring, as you mentioned, Adler, for one another. Yeah. and uh, But for me and the players that I've uh, been in authority over or the coaching staff or just staff in general uh, when it comes to players in particular uh, you know my goal was to always um, you know try to bless their lives as much as I could and to have the same expectation for them that I have for my own child I mean you know anybody whose children knows they want the best for their children they want uh, them to uh, they want them to behave a certain way. They want them to be responsible. They want them to uh, have success in life. They want them to do well in school. They want them to treat the young ladies with respect, you know, whatever it may be. So, uh, you know, as far as I was concerned, God put me in charge of these guys, and, and my goal was to help, you know, grow them the best I could into a man that, that the guy would be proud of. And, uh, you know, so that's that was a big part of, of what we tried to do at Georgia and at Miami this past summer uh, excuse me a couple summers ago whilst I was still at Miami uh in the in the summertime we'd always try to do something besides football some kind of character education whatever it may be uh and you know that summer we talked about manhood and we talked about fatherhood and uh you know I was looking for I was looking for a definition of manhood well that I thought that'd be easy to find, man. (laughs) But I was looking all through the internet uh, with video and and quotes and this and the other, and was struggling. So, and then I saw a a sermon that Dr. Tony Evans had out of Dallas, Texas. Okay. And uh, he talked a little bit about there. He said when it came to manhood, he said there's three hoods. He said there's malehood, and you're you're kind of born with that. You got certain parts. And, you know, you're male because of that, and you you made it to malehood. Then he talked about boyhood was the next stage, and he said, boyhood, uh, in boyhood that you are uh, very irresponsible still, and, uh, and you're still uh, in need of someone to take care of you. And then he said, you know, if you're eight, nine years old, it's okay to be a boy. You should be a boy. And you need that. You need someone to guide you along the way. But – uh-huh. said, if you're, if you're 25 years old or 30 years old or 40 years old, you should, you should be out of the boyhood stage. You should be able to go into manhood, which he described as someone who could take care of business uh, and take care of himself and take care of his family, quite frankly, which yeah. kind of rolled right into the fatherhood. But we do a lot of those types of things uh, just to try to bless our players as much as we possibly can.
2: And, and that's it's super powerful. And I, I just to kind of hop onto the point you made. Um, when you're looking for the definition of manhood, it all depends on um, the foundation that you're looking at. I guess the perspective, sure. right? So if you have a, a more um, you know Christ-like, you know God-centered foundation, you'll find the definition of manhood that you're looking for. But if you're looking more right. like the world's definition, you oh, yeah you'll fall like hard on the traps that the world defines as being a man. So, but Finn, did no you, doubt. Finn, you had something you want to add?
0: I was going to say, so one of the things that I love about just the fact that the whole manhood, boyhood, and it's, it's, it's a clever way of putting things because I think um in, you know, there's a significant, not really a significant age difference between, I said this last time too, but you know, Adler's <clears throat> rolling into 30, I'm rolling into just, turned 22 and it's like
2: he's a young man, young man he's
0: worn my pair of shoes before he's worn my helmet if we're gonna talk football a little bit <laughs> and um you know the thing is I feel like you know I'm in a season myself right now where I'm learning a lot about myself learning to love me take care of myself more and it's it's interesting it's like and it, it's kind of weird I've mentioned this to my dad before but it's like puberty two point out. I know this is a little weird, but like you go, when you go from 12, to 13 and then you go from, you know, eight, you turn 18, you're an adult. You're like freaking out. Like, Oh my gosh, what do I do now? But now I'm sitting here at 22, making financial decisions, going to school. There's a lot of things that I'm thinking about that. I wasn't thinking about just a few years ago. Right. And, um, it just comes down to who you are surrounded by. And, you know, when my question for you, coach is, when you had guys, whether it was at Georgia or whether it was, you know, uh, at Miami, and I know you've had multiple guys who even went to the NFL. Um, when they had something on their heart or they had something that they needed to talk to about or to develop or understand something, um, what was your – how would you communicate with your kind of love to them in a sense, whether it was whether through a disciplinary love or whether it was through a sit down and have, Hey, come over for dinner and let's chat about, you know, know, stuff off the field. How did you go about loving your players the way that you did?
1: Well, first of all, they knew my door was open. You know, a lot of people, a lot of coaches say they have an open door policy. Uh, My door was truly open. Um, you know, we wouldn't. You know, we'd re- we would interrupt any meeting for anything, except for maybe me being with my wife in there. But uh, no, anytime uh, there was a, a an issue or a player needed to sp- to speak, uh, you know, we were able to do that, and and they knew that I cared about them enough that I would help them if if I needed to. And you know, sometimes uh, guys are they have a hard time of opening up to anybody. Right. Uh, let alone your head coach about an issue. Yeah. You know, so another thing that we did is we had uh, <clears throat> we had two team chaplains, actually, that their only goal was to minister to these players, be available to them for anything they needed to talk about. So if it's uncomfortable to talk to the head coach, uncomfortable to talk to even your parents about something, you had a trust factor with those team chaplains that you could go to them and talk to them about anything and we're not talking about just things of faith we're just talking about life yeah right it was was a ministry of availability to these players to these coaches and their wives and families so um you know the and the other thing too is you know we had what we called the hot seat uh in the in the preseason, and the hot seat was in during two days in the evening we'd all have a team meeting and everybody would be sitting in that team meeting room, about 150 people, 125 of them being players and your staff. And then there would be a chair at the bottom of the room, and that was the hot seat. (laughs) If anybody sat in that hot seat, they had the floor, and they could say anything they wanted to say. And it was something that everybody knew was private. There's no cell phones in there, nobody recording anything, and nobody – spewing out what it, what some guy might be talking about. Yeah. And because we created that atmosphere, you know, guys – and we started with seniors who were responsible, who were going to maybe say something, maybe talk about what it meant to be a bulldog or what it meant for them going into their senior year to be a hurricane. And uh, and usually guys would tell their story. And as you hear a man's story, you 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 begin to respect him even more and, and love him even more because you know him better. And, uh, you know, a lot of guys may not – there might be a certain guy they just don't like they don't like the way he acts and they, but maybe they don't understand him well enough. Right. And all of a sudden he comes out and says a little bit, something about his life or how things happened in his home growing up or whatever. And everybody like nods their heads and says, yeah, I get it. I can relate to that. And I can see maybe why you're guarded. Or I could see maybe why, you know, you get mad quickly or whatever it might be. Uh, so, you know, we try to provide an atmosphere of trust with one another, that guys could feel comfortable and come out and say some things and be a little more transparent than men usually like to be. And you yeah. know, going back to that world's view of manhood, I mean, a lot of people like, well, you shouldn't cry if you're a man, or you shouldn't say you 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 have a weakness in a certain area if you're a man. You know, you should be, you know, more worried about your triceps, your car, and how many women you've been with. You know, but that's that's not really what manhood's about. Yeah, love it. Love it. It's a fact.
2: No, and and I I, I definitely completely agree, and I, I think that it's an amazing job that um, you did on your part just to create a stage where your your players felt comfortable enough to command the attention, speak to not only um, like you but to also um, the the players and to you know to right. be open, outwardly open, and to be vulnerable. I think. That, to me, is more uh, manhood. It's because taking the leap of faith and being vulnerable and you know, allowing yourself to be transparent, that, to me, right. is more of a definition of manhood, like, personally.
1: Well, one of the greatest talks, if I can embellish a little bit. Yeah, Absolutely. I don't know if anybody remembers DJ Shockley, but in 2005, we won the SEC championship with DJ Shockley as the quarterback. And, um, but he was behind a kid named David Green, from most, most of his career, and a lot of people said, you should leave, you should transfer, uh, and it wasn't anything against David because David was playing great. He was the winningest quarterback in the history of college football when he left, and, but but Shockley was a great player too, and we he got to play some, but not like he would if he was the starter somewhere else. So yep. a lot of people said, you should leave. Well, he never left, and then when Green left uh, during Shockley's junior year, we had that hot seat, Shockley, as a senior, stepped in the chair and said, you know, a lot of people think I thought I should have left this team because of David and not getting a lot of playing time. He said, I'm going to tell you why I stayed. He said two reasons. He said, one, I got two brothers that have fragile X, which is a form of mental retardation. And they knew that he was a bulldog, and they wouldn't understand if he quit the bulldogs if he left. And He didn't want to disappoint his brothers. It's true. But then he said the other reason why I stayed is because all you men in this room, I love every one of y'all and I and I want to be a part of you guys. Well, he was he already was the leader of the team, but after that, he was like lockdown offense, defense, special teams coaches, everybody in that room had even a greater appreciation and would do anything for him. And uh that's what leadership's all about and that's what love's all about. And then that's yeah.
2: sensational. Like um finn i think you had discussed like the principles of love and um do you have like the list of the principles
0: yeah 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 so i was taking writing my notes my notes are kind of all scribble scrabbled all over the place but organized um so there's five principles that i jotted down that was mindfulness being approachable graceful bold and self-giving um these are the five principles that uh that I feel like love is really structured on This is how Christ loved. Uh, Christ was very mindful of people and he was very approachable. And you had mentioned earlier, you know, um, you had, you know, your chaplains on your teams for the, for the Bulldogs or the Canes, you guys were able to create that environment uh, where your players, even maybe staff members that needed to just talk and have that right. conversation. as it can be a bit intimidating. I know even for me at work, sometimes it's hard to talk to my supervisor about something but you could talk to somebody who's at work that has also a leadership role. Um, just creating an approachable, uh, you know, uh, approach, uh, graceful and bold and self-giving when I don't know how to create a question from this, but um, I think I had a question. I don't know if you have something to say while I'm looking at it. I had a question that was built around it, but. So uh, those are the five qualities that uh, we were, that I felt like you know needed to be talked about or put, be put on here today.
2: So when we discuss like being more mindful, that means that um, we got to be less detached, right? So like in in this day and age, especially in like the more modern area uh, era, um, how many times it's it's like, hey, how are you doing? But you don't really mean hey, how are you doing? It's like, you just say it as a a formality. It's just like, hey, how are you doing? Just keep going. But like, I think it's more important to, um, especially when you're trying to create an atmosphere of love, to be less detached. And like, let's say if you see somebody upset, like, hey, how are you doing? No, really, like, just what is it? Like, what's going on? Like, you actually take a a conscious effort. Um, And I think um, the other one was um, approachability. Um, Mm -hmm. If... In order to like to spread love or to show love, there has to be um, the quality of easy-flowing, easy-going, like that open-door policy, as Coach just talked about. Um, you have to ha- be able to generate that um, type of environment where you're welcoming. Um, you're um, allowing people to, to come speak to you, and you're not playing favorites or doing anything like that. It's not right. that you have to exclusively um, uh, be a part of in order to to show love. You have to be welcoming to just about everybody. And I'm so- graceful, and I think the, the I think graceful is the third one that you had mentioned. I think that's probably the most powerful um trait out of all of them, solely because that's that means less judgment. You know, when when you talk about, you know, the grace that God has for us, you know, to give up his life and to offer us salvation, right? There's nothing that we can do to deserve it. There's nothing that we can do to earn it. There's nothing that we can do to ever merit such a beautiful, amazing gift. We just have to be able to accept that grace and to also not only accept it, but to also um, offer it to those that we don't feel are, you know, deserving of it. You know, somebody who's wronged us, we can't hold on to grudges. We got to be able to, you know, let them go. We got to be able to, you know, That's that's what we're called to do as you know followers of Christ and you know leaders of men. You know that's that's what we're called to do. Like I'm I'm sure coach doesn't hold the fact like, hey, you fumbled the ball, man. Sit down. I'm not talking to the rest of the season. No, he's he's got to have some form of grace and they're like, all right, you know what? You made a mistake. Now we're gonna figure out what we're gonna do from this point on. Um, Finn, you want to ask your question? Sure. My question. You guys work it any way you want.
0: What was my question, Adler?
2: Oh, <laughs> you yeah. put me yeah. on the
1: spot. Yeah. Ooh, I was like you watched that one out of the cannon, just like my Coach said. Well, you already. were talking about the pillars of the characteristics of love. Yes, um, yes, yes, yeah. So, like the talking last about grace towards the end.
2: Yeah, um, I, you can get a chance to hear, but um, bold boldness and um, self giving. So boldness is right. let's fear. You know, to um, take the chance to be vulnerable. Um, like you you know offering that 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 um, hot seat in the middle of the room so that way somebody can you know take the chance of being vulnerable which I think to me is more um, a definition of, of manhood having that ability to be open and to be vulnerable and um, the self-giving self-giving um, attribute that's something that um, I think that we as a nation as a people we need to do a better job of just because um, uh, a lot of times it's like self-centered or self-absorbed it's like all oh, right well that doesn't affect me so you know why would i you know why would i do this or you know whatever the case may be so we have to be a little less self-absorbed and more willing to um take an interest in other people's lives you know? so those those were the five pillars
0: and i found my
2: question so my question for you coach so
0: based off the five pillars so which is the mindful approachable graceful bold self-giving uh, my question for you is: In your, or on or off the fields, um, how have you applied the five pillars of love? It, on and off the fields, whether it was at you know Georgia, at even even way going back to Florida State when you were under Bobby Bowden, or uh, you know at the with the Hurricanes, how have you applied these five pillars of, of love? Whether it be your players or your staff, right.
1: Well, us. I think once your heart changes, once you, once you become a believer in Jesus Christ, um, you do become that new creation that the Bible talks about. Uh, we're born with this sin nature. We're very selfish. We're very self-absorbed people by nature. That's just the way we're, when Adam sinned, sin entered all man. So we're, we're born with that nature. And then, you know, in, until we... Uh, and because of that nature, we have no shot at going to heaven. Uh, it's just not going to happen because all, all, if you have at least one sin, you're out. You know, perfection is the, uh, you got to be perfect to get into heaven. Well, the only way we can be perfect is through the blood of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And once cool. once we understand that and we confess that those sins and we accept the gift of Jesus death, burial, and resurrection, and then we do become that new creation. That sin nature is eradicated. And now all of a sudden we have this, uh, the Holy Spirit lives in us and we we have a different heart because our heart's different and we, we see everything differently. Things that we, I, I got a quick example of a, uh, a story of that very thing. I had a player whose mother called me in the middle of the night and she said, "My son is in he's distraught he's I'm worried about him I'm feeling like he might even I'm feeling like he might even take his own life he's so feeling so bad right now, so what's the first thing I do, I call my team chaplain and we get him over there, and then a few hours later he brings him to my office, and I start talking to the young man and i said i go I go, what's going on' He's going, well, I failed at being a Christian. I said, what? Tell me, what are you talking about? Because well, when I first got here, I wanted to be a great professional football player, and I hurt my knee, so I couldn't do that. So I decided I wanted to be a doctor. And When I started taking some of that curriculum, it was kicking my rear end, and I couldn't hack it, so I failed at being a doctor. And then I failed at being a Christian. He goes, about a week ago, I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior, And then all of a sudden, you know, I failed at being a Christian. I said, what happened? He said, well, I did something that I shouldn't do. And I said, well, let me ask you this. Did you ever do that before you became a believer? He said, yeah. I go, what'd you think about it then? He goes, I didn't think much about it. I said, so you're telling me now that that you became a Christian, that very thing you did is now something you can't live with and you feel horrible about. I go, is that true? He said, Yes. I said, Hallelujah. I said, That's that's the evidence that the Holy Spirit now lives in you. And you can't you can't live in sin anymore. You're still not gonna ever be perfect, you know, while we're still living in this flesh, but but our spirit is made perfect in Christ. And once your heart changes, that's when everything else changes as to how you treat everybody, how you see everybody. You know, everybody is a child of God. And that's how we need to treat them. You know, love your neighbor as yourself. And, uh, you know.
0: I love that. That's I wrote that on my notes. Yes, sir. So, Coach, as I have a follow-up. So, this kind of goes to, um, you know, we all. you mentioned it earlier. You said you open your heart and you become a new creation. And um, that's a very powerful, very empowering moment in life for anybody, man or woman, Women or child, child, adolescent, or even an adult. Um, when you're you know, a little older, in your 20s, 30s, 40s. I mean, my dad always says you have the rest of your life to figure things out, and it's a fact. So some, you know, some people I know have given their life early at nine years old. Some people have given their life at 15 years old. Some people have given their, you know, life later on. Um, my question for you, and just going to follow up with what you said earlier, is when was your moment? When was your ultimate moment when you had an open heart moment, when you encountered God? Um, if you want to briefly share with us, uh, you know, when that moment was,
1: I'll, I'll do my best to go quick, but one time while in college I had a college roommate who became a Christian out of, out of the blue really. And, uh, he was doing a lot of wild things I was doing and all of a sudden, things had changed, and he he started to talk to me about what had happened to him. And there were some very important seeds that were planted in my life at that time, but I kind of pushed it by the wayside when I was uh, my my girlfriend was coming back in town from summer break, and I was worried about what she would think. I was worried about what my roommates would think uh, during the regular season. We had different roommates than summertime. Uh, so I was, I was kind of more worried about what man thought than what God thought, which was pretty stupid. But that's yeah. what I was thinking. Has anybody ever done that? But oh, that's uh, dope. <laughs> So, anyway, uh, years down the road, when I was a graduate assistant coach at Florida State, one of our players, Pablo Lopez, was shot and killed at a party. And, you know, long story short, um, we had a team meeting that I was uh, in charge of taking role, and I was in the back of the room while Coach Bowden, Coach Bobby Bowden, spoke to the team about what had happened and he said man i don't know where pablo is right now i don't know where he'll spend eternity and he and he preached the gospel to everybody about you know what it takes to become a christian what it takes to you know be that new creation but he said he said man pablo used to sit in that seat right there and now he's gone he said he said you guys are 18 to 22 years old you think you're going to live forever just like pablo thought he was going to live forever and now he's gone he said if that was you last night Do you know where you'd spend eternity? So he's talking to the players, but I mean, it it goes right through my heart. And all those seeds that were planted back in college came to fruition. So the very next day, I decided to knock on his door. So I knock on the door and he says, hey, buddy, come on in. Then he calls you buddy when he doesn't know your name. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, I came in there and I said, I meant, I said, coach, I know you're talking to the players, but do you mind if this young coach comes and and uh, praise to receive Christ with you today. And that's what happened. So I became a believer in 1986 uh, as, as a 26-year-old graduate assistant coach at Florida State. Wow.
0: Well, thank you for sharing that. I know that's
1: powerful.
0: I mean, that's, that's ultimately today's talk was about love. And it's opening your heart, being willing to love your enemies, to take the extra mile, to – to turn the cheek when it seems almost impossible. Uh, I know Adler had another question for you. So I will hand I, over this, this, this part right here over to him because I know he had
2: something for you. Yes, um, so, um, all right. So obviously um, you love what you do and you do it because you have that love and passion and that's why you did it for so many years and had so much success. So with success, there's that other side of success. There's the the failures, the setbacks, the you know self doubt, the all all the negative things that are on the underbelly of success. And I guess my question to you is, um, success means facing those failures, those lessons. Right. Um, Was there one defining, I mean failure for the you know sake of uh, another word um, that pushed you or propelled you to become or we get to that next level as a human being you know.
1: right well uh, I think I mean there were many times when I felt that I was not adequate enough to be in the role that I was in and uh, a lot of time that very first time I was head coach it was uh, laying, laying on the carpet in the hotel just crying out to God crying for help saying I can't do it alone and he says I know you can't do it alone you need me You know, and uh, you have you have have times like that. But one time, I got my first offensive coordinator job at East Carolina University, and I probably got it a little bit younger and a little less experienced than I needed to be. So you talk about being scared every day. You woke up, uh, not even wanting to go into work, thinking the guys around you know more than you do, and you're supposed to be in charge. It was rough. But just prior to that, I had prayed to God to help to grow my faith. And so what happened was, in my opinion, during that time I was in fear, uh, I was doing a lot of uh, – actually memorizing a lot of scripture. And during that time frame, uh, over time, my I think my faith grew stronger than my fear. And when that happened, the fear was gone, like instantaneously. Wow. And, uh, you know, fear and faith can't live in the same spirit. Not and at so all. what's your faith – grows through the word then fear doesn't have it quite the hold on you but we still feel that fear and you know I always tell people talk about people talk about bravery I said look you cannot be brave until you're afraid first yeah I mean being being brave is overcoming fear <laughs> if you're never scared then then you're not brave yeah. you know? totally so, uh, yeah. it's yeah. okay to be scared it's okay to be nervous it's okay to feel inadequate but you know choose to believe that God will take care of you and everything will be okay. And that's exactly what I tried to do over those years. That's the belief. I I like that.
2: Um, And um, I guess my last question, uh, and I I kind of touched on it when um, we had gotten disconnected. So I had just kind of went through a lot of the the successes and accolades. You're obviously a father of four. Um, You're also a grandfather. Um, And um, you have um, success in your career individually, Uh, two-time SEC champ, five-time SEC Eastern division champ, one-time ACC um, division champ, two-time SEC coach of the year, one-time ACC coach of the year, and the Walter Camp coach of the year, along with the fact that you are now um, on the second phase of your career where you're doing more like analytics. So you have done so many amazing, successful things that like pale in comparison to those around you. And I know that's not something that you do, but you know, I look at like, you know, um, and I, I express that same sentiment to Finn. Um, you're, you're a little bit older than us and you're, you're well accomplished and well polished and you've done so many successful, amazing things. And I just hope to like, um, I guess, accomplish at least half of the things that you did. But um, to someone like you, uh, obviously this is called the Best You Nation what does the phrase being the best you personally mean to you?
1: (laughs) Well, I go back to my life first, Colossians 3.23. Uh, Whatever you do, do your work heartily, H-E-A-R-T-I-L-Y, heartily. Whatever you do, do your work heartily unto the Lord rather than men. And I think, you know, a lot of times people are like, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? And God's like, It doesn't necessarily matter exactly what you do. It's it's how you do it and who you do it for. And he wants you to do with all your heart and he wants you to do it unto him. So I think, you know, what we need to do is make sure that we live where we're at. We don't try to think about, I wish I was somewhere else. Coach Bowden had a saying to the young coaches around the room saying, if you want a better job, apply enthusiasm to the one you got. You know what I mean? A lot of guys are always looking for the the next job. You want a better job? Do a better (laughs) job. (laughs) You know, so I think God wants us to, you know, grow where we're planted. I know people have said that as a cliche, but it's so true. And whatever we do, do it, Mm. do it the best we can and do it unto the Lord. And then I think that's all God wants us to do. It'll please, it'll please him. You want to put your head on the pillow at night saying, would God be pleased with what I did today? If the answer is yes, you're on the right track. Right, that's perfect. Oh, by well, the coach. way, yes. I'll say this: all those things you mentioned, you know how fast people are going to forget that stuff. <laughs> fast, <laughs> they forget it in a hurry. I promise you. So well, and you know, uh, and the, what's important is your relationship to God and your family.
2: Well, and that's why I let off with the fact that you have four beautiful kids and your grandfather because those are the most important things. Those are the Amen. Ten- <clears throat> so, yeah. Amen. Yeah.
0: Well, Coach, it's been a pleasure. It's been an honor to have you uh, join us today. Um, just the fact that we get to, you know, create an impact. That's what Adler and I always <laughs> talk about is impact. You not only did that, you know, uh, you know, in the beginning of your career uh you've done it throughout your career you know getting to meet you during you know your phase at georgia uh, getting to i remember there was a time where you took me and a couple of the boys out onto the field uh you were at practice and we were probably less than three feet away from the guys i think aaron murray was still the quarterback at the time you're like you better run back you gotta run back you're gonna get run over and uh <laughs> i remember that very clearly it was just amazing to be you know um to be I've been able to meet you and i believe that god had a purpose for this message today um and you know through what we're talking about and the message that we have on this podcast and we just want to give you great thanks and just
1: sure for taking
0: time out of your day first of all that's really the biggest thing taking your time out of your day i know you're a busy man and you spend time with well, your family
1: and i want to say this to you guys i am i mentioned on the front end but I'm really proud of what you're doing. I'm thankful for what you're doing. You are making a difference, and you're just, you're just beginning to do it. Appreciate
2: it. You've got a lot of years
1: and a lot of days and a lot of minutes and moments to make a difference in this world, and you guys are doing it, and uh, people are going to see it and notice it, and it's going to bless you like it's blessing other people.
2: Thanks, Absolutely. Coach. That means a lot. Thanks,
1: Coach. All right. Y'all have a great day. Yes. You too,
2: Coach. Thank you so much. All right. God bless. All right. God bless Finn, coach. And Finn, um, please tell everybody how to follow us, um, how to reach out to us. We have a whole YouTube channel. Um, it's called the best you nation. And how, uh, what's the name of the Instagram? <laughs> the best you nation. Exactly. And you can follow Finn uh, at Steven Finn Foster. And you can follow me at 24 hours in a day. Um, and
0: you can follow Mark Riggs at Mark. Is it Mark Riggs? I believe it's just Mark Riggs. You can follow <laughs> him too. Go follow him. Man of yeah. God right there. Go
2: follow him. And, um, you know, we're obviously always trying to um, spread the positive word. and a positive Mark word. underscore rights. Just Mark looked it up.
0: Rick.
2: Yes. Um, the man and, himself. And most importantly, we hope that you guys have a blessed week, amazing time. Remember, there's 24 hours in a day. What are you doing with your time?
0: Amen. All right. All right. Take it right. easy. God bless you
2: guys. All right. Take care.